Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman. If you don't know me, I'm a certified trauma recovery coach, and I'm also a survivor of abuse in a queer relationship. I'm here to help validate and support those who are or have been in my shoes and to help spread awareness of what these kinds of relationships can look like. Today, I'm going to talk about the big question that so many of us have when we are in abusive relationships, and that question is, am I the toxic one? Um, A lot of times when we're in abusive relationships, we become toxic ourselves. We don't recognize ourselves when we come out of them and look back. We're like, how did I ever act that way? I never want to act that way again. Was I always a toxic one? Uh, how did this happen? Um, should I never date someone again? Because am I going to be like that again? All of these questions, right? Um, but before we dive in, I'm going to go ahead and do um, this week's um, struggles and successes. Um, my struggle this week is that I have not been sleeping well. I haven't been sleeping well for the past couple of weeks. Um, to be fair, I was really following the Idaho um, the Idaho case really closely. If you also follow it and you know what I'm talking about, then you probably understand what I'm saying. If you don't, I'll see whether you want to look it up, but just a really haunting thing that's just been bothering me. And then also, I don't know, for some reason, um, my son's not sleeping well. The dog's been waking me up. I've been waking myself up. So it's just been kind of a rough time, but I'm still feeling good. Pretty good. Um, a success this week is that we did a successful co-parenting family trip to Whistler, British Columbia this weekend. Um, my son's dad and I are not together, if you don't know this, but we co-parent my son um, and we have, we did all through the time I was with my abuser. And we do sometimes go on family trips. Quite often we will go for my son's birthday. His birthday is coming up in just a few days. Um, and last year, our son asked to go skiing. So we took him last year. We took him again this year. Um, and it was really successful. We had a lot of fun and I got to actually ski for the first time since before I got pregnant. Um, I believe this was the third time, um, since he was born that we quote unquote went skiing, but really it was just like taking him on the bunny hill and I didn't get to like go on a lift, do any of the stuff. And I was like, man, I, I don't even know if I remember how to ski, but I, you know, went to town skied down that mountain, felt really good about it. I did fall one time. It was really icy, uh, really icy. <laughs> um, so yeah, but it was really fun. And, um, uh, if you follow me for any amount of time, you know that I love to travel. I love to get out of town. I love to be in the mountains. I love to do all the things. So I'm always pretty rejuvenated after those things. So that's my success this week. Um, And I wish, I just had this thought that like, I wish that I could hear all of your struggles and successes as well. Um, That would probably be a lot, but I was just like about to be like, what was yours? (laughs) Oh, anyway. Okay. So, um, am I the toxic one? I actually, you know what? I found a note. Do I still have that note? I should read that note. I found a note in a book of mine that I haven't opened in a long time. And I was like, I should read this. I should read this in a TikTok because it's a very clear example of a victim who's being abused, taking on the blame 
for the entire relationship, for all the issues, for the issues of the other person and like apologizing and being like, Hey, I know I'm a lot. I'm sorry. I know you put up with me. I can't imagine someone else putting up with me in this way and all that stuff. Um, unfortunately, since I'm already recording and I'm recording on, uh, for YouTube as well, I'm not going to get up and go look for that note. Um, I do sometimes do that on lives where I'll be like, hold on a second, but I'm not going to do that here. Um, but essentially when you're in these relationships, you, you, you can start to act like the other person. In fact, um, Manji Rupai, I don't know who came up with the term narc fleas. I know that not all abusive people are narcissists and I know that not all narcissists are abusive. You know, some of them are self-aware or just choose to not have partners because they know that they're probably going to be toxic. Um, but in general, there's this term called narc fleas. And the reason why I mentioned her is because she talks about that in her book, which I'm looking at right now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hold that one up since it's within my survival guide for toxic narcissistic relationships. But narc fleas essentially are when you are, it's this concept of when you are around an abusive person and they're doing all these horrible behaviors, their fleas get on you and you start to have those toxic behaviors, right? So if this person is yelling at you a lot and calling you names, there's a possibility that while you're in this relationship, you start to do those behaviors as well. Maybe they're stonewalling you. Now you're stonewalling them. You start to do these horrible things that you don't want done to you, but because your, your mental health is suffering so much and because this is the main behavior that you're seeing from the person that you live with. And, and it could be a parent. It could be a sibling. It could be a friend. Odds are that you're going to start to slip. You're going to start to like, I picture like a shoots and ladders game. Like when you meet them, I don't know where you're at mental health wise, but you're up here, you're climbing these ladders, you're doing okay. And then you just shoot, shoot, shoot. And then all of a sudden you're on their level. And it does become very difficult because now when you're reacting to them, when you're yelling back at them, when you are calling them names too, they're pointing the finger at you. And that's when we get into, of course, reactive abuse where they're pushing your buttons and you know, you're just sitting on the couch reading a book when they got home. Now they're pushing your buttons. Now you're in an argument. And as soon as you react, boom, you're the crazy one. You're the toxic one. You're psycho. They're calling you all these names, right? And so this is how this works. They do all their toxic behaviors. If you call them out, they're going to put it back on you. You know, you say something like, please don't yell at me. Please don't call me names. And they'll say something like, well, if you wouldn't X, Y, Z, I wouldn't do that. So when they do it, it's your problem. When you do it, it's your problem. You're toxic. You're horrible. You're bad. And so of course, when we get out of these relationships, like, you know, of course, like I said, when I was in the relationship, um, I mean, we were in couples therapy. We'll get back to when we get out of it. But when we were in couples therapy and surely the therapist thought that I was the toxic one, the therapist was looking at me like I was the one who was refusing to change. I was the one who, I don't know, had like some weird mental health issues and that the abusive person who would sit next to me calmly every session, um, with their arm around me and just really attentive was the one who was like, putting up with so much in the relationship and for them, like they're really working hard to get through this relationship. Um, and then, so like, you know, the therapist thinks you are friends, family think you are because, you know, a couple episodes ago, I talked about how the smear campaign begins way before you ever leave because that abusive person very early on is planting seeds in other people's brains that you are toxic. They're getting you to react. They're telling their friends, she's crazy. She calls me 20 times when I'm out. She does this. She does that. Now I'm going to talk about some of the toxic things that I did while I was in that relationship that I never did in another relationship. In fact, I was just talking to my son's dad about this. And one of the things we talked about was feeling the need to go through a partner's phone. Never in my life have I gone through a partner's phone. 
I've had relationships where we had like this mutual trust where like, um, you know, my relationship with my son's dad wasn't perfect. So I don't want to like, I'm not comparing the two and I'm not trying to act like, you know, that was this golden relationship. And then I got into this one. It wasn't perfect, but we had access to each other's phone. So if he was driving, he'd be like, Hey, can you open my maps? Sure. Here you go. Hey, can you send this text for me? Sure. Here you go. Not one time did either of us ever pick up the other person's phone and be like, who are they talking to? What are they doing? What are they looking up online? Things like that. And the same goes for any previous relationship. In this relationship, they went through my phone and I went through their phone. We did have access to each other's phones, um, but it was a lot of, I don't trust you. I'm going to see what you're doing. Um, obviously, they would be deleting stuff and I knew they'd be deleting stuff and I'd call them out on stuff and they'd be like, that wasn't there, even though I saw it. There was a lot of that, which I don't want to do that, y'all. I don't want you to do that. I don't want to ever, um, if you've been around for a while, I've been single by choice for since August of 2021, I wasn't free until October of 2021, but I am very single, very happy to be single. But if I am ever again around someone who they feel like they need to check my phone, or if I'm like, I wonder what's in their phone, just narrowed my eyes. If you're not, if, if you're on the podcast, I narrowed my eyes. Like, I wonder what's in their phone. Like this, like suspicious. If I get that feeling, I'm going to run for the hills. I am not going to pick up another person's phone and see what's in their phone. Like, no. If I don't feel safe around you, if I don't feel confident in the, whatever the relationship that we have agreed upon, um, no, I would call them a lot. Um, and I believe I've talked about this before. I did an episode about like when, when an abusive person goes out for drinks. Um, and I talk about how they would like sort of do something to get me to have a reaction. And then I would react by texting them like, you said you'd be home by a certain time. Like, why aren't you responding to me? Why aren't you coming home? Just like reaching and reaching and reaching and calling and calling, which in, in turn makes me look crazy and makes me look toxic. Never done that before. Have zero interest in doing that again. It's this like panicky feeling that you get with them because you're in a trauma bond and they're treating you like crap, but then making you look crazy for it. And you've fallen for it. You're doing these toxic behaviors because this is all you know right now. Um, what else? Um, yeah, surely I, I yelled, I called them names. Um, and these things are very hard to admit because of course, like, you know, I'm, I don't feel like it's hard right now. Like I'm willingly doing this for all of you, you know, I'm out here creating content on what abuse looks like and what to look out for and what's okay and what's not okay. And I was in this relationship where I was really doing really ugly things to them as well. Um, and of course as survivors, it's really important to be able to work through that guilt and work through that, like, no, I'm not the toxic one. I was doing these toxic behaviors while I was in a relationship. Um, I was being abused and I became this person that I don't recognize. Again, when we talk about reactive abuse, it's the same thing. Like what we want to do as survivors is try to get out of these situations, try to heal from these situations, make sure we're not around anyone like that again, you know, make sure that no one can get us in a trauma bond again. We see that red flag walking towards us and we, you know, shoot it down immediately. We have to do the work to make sure that we don't get there ever again, but we have to forgive ourselves and we have to understand that this was all a part of being abused, right? Um, I did not walk into that relationship a toxic person. I did not walk into that relationship like, I'm about to check your phone every day. I'm about to call you a million times when you go out with your friends and you're taunting me and you're doing all this stuff. I'm going to do all these horrible things to you. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it is embarrassing when I look back and I think about, um, just like the 
extreme, like the things that like society would label as like passionate. Like a lot of people are like, I want this passionate relationship. A lot of people talk about like the, the fighting and then the makeup sex and then this and that, like passion, like, Oh, I'm so like, we're having this huge argument. Now this happened. Now it's like so romantic, all of that. It's so toxic. It is so toxic. And so while we're asking ourselves this question of like, you know, am I the toxic one? The answer is no. The answer is the narc fleas happen. We take on these behaviors until we figure it out. We realize what's happening to us. It's like, we talk about like one of the, the ways that I have described this to other people, um, is like, so this person is just absolute poison, their radiation and you know, radioactive or however you want to say it. But like when they are around you, you will get sick because if you are around radiation, if you are exposed to these toxic, you know, I don't know, chemicals, I don't, I'm not a scientist. I don't exactly know what, why radiation is. Oh no, I got myself into a hole. It's bad for you, right? It's going to cause you problems. It's going to cause you severe problems. You are going to get sick. And that's what happens when we are with abusive people. We aren't even doing it on purpose. We're not like there's poison. I'm going to drink it. Just the fact that it's around us, it's in our space, that energy, those interactions, the way that they treat us, we get sick, we get toxic. So that leads to us getting out. I am not toxic anymore. I have had zero toxic reaction or uh, relationships. I have had, I had a few friends that I either made right before I left or while I, you know, right before I left or right after, because I was so desperate for connections with people. And they were all people that I met off of social media. So now I'm very cautious about who I meet from social media. Um, they were not good for me. That doesn't mean that they were bad. Uh, but I did have to end those friendships, those relationships. And, and I did um, try to do it in the best way that I knew how. Of course, at that time, I was still reactive. I was still, you know, my mental health was still suffering. It was like within one to two months of me leaving my abuser. So like I wasn't doing great, but I tried my best to do it in a good way. Um but I have had zero, you know, I've had plenty of reactions with or connections with people since I left. And I haven't been around one person who caused me, you know, through their behavior, caused me any stress, caused me any, um, whatever. And I have also not responded to anyone, you know, giving me a boundary in a negative way. It's always been, that makes sense. Thank you for sharing that with me you know, vice versa. Thank you for sharing that with me. I understand. I respect that. Um, again, I'm not in a relationship. I have not tried. I have no interest, but again, I have met people. I have interacted with people. I travel a lot. Every single person that I've interacted with since those couple of friendships, again, that I had to sort of back out of, um, has been positive. So my guess is that you are not the toxic person. Um, a lot of survivors of abuse in relationships had abusive parents or an abusive parent or an abusive sibling. So you might not know anything other than toxic relationships and toxic behaviors. Maybe you don't have good communication skills. Maybe you don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. Maybe you don't know how to set boundaries and that's, that's okay. You have to start somewhere, right? And so now it's just a matter of, you know, getting away from that person, getting their toxicity away from you, getting you to a place of having a calm nervous system so that you're not reacting in these ways and then saying, all right, how can I, how can I do better for myself first and foremost, but also for the people around me, for my children, for my friends, for the people that I desire to have 
a positive connection with. How can I do this? Is that therapy? Do I have therapy and a coach if, if I can afford that? I realize that that's not always affordable. Am I journaling? Am I listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, learning about, you know, good communication? What does that look like? You know, what are the green flags and the red flags in relationships? Just figuring that out because, you know, I'm thinking of some other creators like, um, who create content about having abusive parents. Um, Catherine Kleiss is one of them. And then let me look up there. Um, Catherine Kleiss. Catherine Kleiss. That's just her name. Catherine uh, with a K and then K-L-E-I-S. And then abuse is abuse. Hers is abuse underscore is underscore abuse. They both had abusive parents. So these are two people who are out here educating on what abuse looks like. And also they're coming out here. And of course, you know, I don't, I don't watch their content every single day. Um, all the time and like know their entire stories. But I've, I've met uh, Catherine. I have not met um, Bree from Abuses Abuse, but they, they're coming here and offering all of this content and all of this healing. And they're coming from a place where I was abused. This was the first relationships. These were the first relationships I ever had. You know, they didn't necessarily come into this world given the tools to have healthy relationships and they're doing all the work that they can to be able to do that. So I want you to know, you know, cause I'm here like, well, I wasn't toxic when I went into it. Uh, what did I have childhood trauma? Absolutely. Did I have, you know, golden relationships up to the point that I met my abuser? No, I had struggles just like everyone else, but I wasn't toxic and I wasn't abusive and I'm not now. So I want you to know that I see you if whether you're like me or you're like, do, 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 I'm doing okay. I have my struggles. Oh no. How did I get here? Now I'm toxic AF. I don't want to be like this again or whether you came into it like, no, actually I have had a pattern of really toxic relationships. I feel like I am a toxic ball. Like I'm like what you just described where I'm just like getting everyone sick around me. I understand. As long as we are not out here abusing people, um, we, we don't want to abuse people. You know, we don't want to harm anybody. So as long as you can be like, well, I have a lot of trauma and I don't even like know how I got here. Like, I don't really fully understand everything, but I know that I'm not abusive. I just know that like, I have engaged in these toxic behaviors and like, I never want to do that again. I see you. That's all I'm trying to say. I see you because I know that we all have different situations and, um, it's not easy. It's not easy if you were born into a family with, you know, violence and emotional abuse and all of those things. So I hope this episode helps. I hope this helps you to Take a step back from what is or was happening in your relationship to know that you didn't ask for that, that, you know, you were exposed to all of these horrible behaviors and that it's very hard to tread water when someone is, you know, constantly trying to pull you under and throwing more water on top of you. And, um, you know, that's what we see with reactive abuse is like when your buttons are pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and then you react. You know, you can you only have so many buttons that can be pushed before your head is underwater. I'm using several <laughs> several analogies here. Uh, hope you're still with me. But um, the last thing I want to say is that one of the things that helped me a lot when I left my abuser was looking back at emails that I sent them very early on and my journal entries from very early on and realizing that again with the shoots and ladders that when I met them, even though I did have my own separate struggles. Um, one being that I was leaving a marriage and that my dog had just passed away. So I had a lot of sadness and things like that. 
but when it came to like communication and expectations for the relationship and things like that, based on what I was writing at the time, I was really healthy. And I can remember like I was at my mom's house and it was maybe a month or between one and three months after I left. Um, I found those writings and the amount of relief that I felt when I realized that I came into that relationship pretty healthy, pretty well-rounded. Yes. Again, I had that sadness, but coming into it with a healthy view, like, Hey, we're just getting to know each other. I don't have a lot of expectations of how this is going to go. Um, okay, well now you're doing this. I'm going to communicate with you. I'm going to try to fix this. You know, I'm going to try to whatever I was using the tools that I had learned in my marriage that, you know, we had communication issues and things like that. So I was coming at it with all these tools and doing all this stuff. And I lost all the tools and I lost all the mental health that I did have. I lost, you know, um, I got the narc fleas. I got sick. I fell down that chute, got, you know, back to square one. So I'm, you know, I know that not all of us are going to have those like sort of receipts, quote unquote, like, oh man, look, I can compare myself before to this now. Like, look how I was writing when I first met them to how I was writing when I was in it. What happened here? What is this? Where you have that proof, that aha moment. Um, I wish that we all did, but I wanted to share that with you because that was something that, I mean, again, I can just feel that relief in that moment where I was like, oh my gosh, this was not me because we have so much guilt and so much for so long. We've been told that it is us, that we are the problem, that we have, everyone has mental health problems too. So I want to just really say that, but that we were the ones that were ruining everything because we have X, Y, Z, and because we're unstable and we're this, we're that, because we're being told this. It's being driven home day in, day out when we're with abusive people. So please give yourself, take a deep breath, give yourself that benefit of the doubt. Know that, again, you did not ask to be in an abusive relationship. You did not ask to be, you know, have everything about you stripped away from you your physical health, your mental health, your friends, your family, your career can suffer, your finances can suffer, your relationship with your kids, you know, your pets, all of that stuff. You did not ask for that. You're just trying to survive. Important thing is we're going to try to get you out of this relationship. If you're not, we're going to get you on that healing journey. On that note, if this is something that's resonating with you and you feel like you could use a little bit of help, I do offer one-on-one coaching. Um, you can visit my website, thelindsaygoodman.com, click on the coaching tab, see if you can find a time that works for you and let's get started on getting you out of that relationship. If you're already out, let's get started on the healing journey. If you are queer, um, I do have a monthly for now it's monthly. If it gets really full, um, cause we do have a cap on how many people can attend these meetings. Um, I have a monthly support group for queer survivors of abuse, um, with my friend Trey Dilatore. His uh, account is I was like yo underscore Trey. It's going to be one Saturday a month. It's only $20 to be um, in a support group with other queer folks who are survivors. And you're getting, you know, pretty good attention from myself and another survivor of queer abuse. Uh, we're both coaches. We're both creating content. We're both trying to help people. So if that's something that you feel like yourself or a friend or a family member could benefit from, uh, that link is also on uh, pretty much all my bios. So check that out if that's something that I feel like could help you. I hope this episode helps. Please do something nice for yourself today. Um, go drink some water. Take care of your body. Get some rest if you can. Um, I appreciate each and every one of you being here. If you like this episode, um, 
please rate, review, subscribe, all of that. It really does help to get this in the ears of those who need it the most. Um, write me a review if you feel like it. I always read them and I really appreciate them. So thank you all so much for being here. Take care and I'll see you all next week.